Okay. Perik Dalet Chelik Beis. We left off last time discussing the relationship between God and the Torah. You should recall at this point that what we said was that the Torah and HaKadosh Baruch Hu are one. Because God is one with his thoughts, right? Not like us who think, right? Like we say, I think. Right? God is not, I think. God is one with his thoughts. So if the Torah is the wisdom of God and God is one with his thoughts, then what would you say about the Torah? The Torah is God. Right? They're one. Okay. Let me just get into it a little bit. Yeah? We're going to ex- expand on it now. Okay. And even though we say that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is infinite, it's impossible to know God's infinity, and no machshava, no thought could possibly grasp God. So too that's true of God's wisdom and God's will. Meaning, just like I can't grasp God, and God is one with his wisdom. So that, what does that mean? I can't grasp God's wisdom. Kedersiv, as it says, the same way as wisdom is infinite. It gives us such a strong desire Let's say God's will is for me to uh, do a mitzvah, right? Well, how could I possibly understand God's will? Just like I can't understand God. Yeah. Yeah? Are we in our thoughts also? No. Because you, you'll, you'll say, right, like, I was thinking about it, right? So you're, there's the I and there's the thinking. Hashem is one with his thoughts. Meaning what we perceive as God's thoughts is really him. No. That's exactly the point we're making right now. I couldn't possibly give an example because everything no, in the known world... Thinking. Right, exactly right. Yeah. Someone doesn't need to think about it, Mr. J. Right, no, of course not. Just, he just knows. Right. Okay? And then it is... At, so it says, so too with God's will and wisdom. It says in the Pasuk, So we have many proofs from the Pesukim that God cannot be understood... And God's will and wisdom cannot be understood. So now, what about the Torah? So now here's where it gets deep. Chazal and the Gemara and Megillah say, Wherever you find God's infinity, there you will find God's humility. Okay? So this is already a very big deal. We're going to get into this in depth now. Humility. Wherever you... Yes. Wherever you find God's infinity, yeah, wherever you find God's infinity, you will also find His anivus, His humility. Now we're going to have to understand what's the connection between infinity and humility. And what does that even mean? Okay? Now, a little bit of an introduction.
when anyone is giving a shear, okay? Well, I'll do it like this. Imagine the following scenario. You have a graduate school professor, okay, who's teaching uh, astrophysics. Okay, he's teaching the highest level of physics. This is why I didn't want you to use it. He's using the highest level of physics. He's teaching the highest level of physics. His graduate students are learning at the highest level. Okay? What happens? He announces one day to the class, tomorrow there's not going to be class because I was invited to teach my grandson's first grade class about astrophysics. So tomorrow, you're all welcome to come with me to my grandson's first grade class. Of course, you don't have to, but you're invited to come to the first grade class. All the graduate students, except for one, say, why would I waste my time going to hear him speak to a bunch of first graders? After all, I've been through elementary school, middle school, high school, college, and now I'm in graduate school. I passed first grade already, right? Except for one graduate student. One graduate student goes because he knows that in that class, he's going to get something that he would not get in the graduate class. What's he going to get? Meaning, there's exceptional brilliance in saying something at the highest possible level, right? There's even greater brilliance taking something that is way beyond our comprehension and being able to boil it down, boil out all the extraneous concepts and make it understandable to a six-year-old, right? So there's two different types of shirim. One type of shir is where you walk out of the shir and you go, whoa, that was crazy, I totally lost him, I had no idea what he was talking about, it was amazing, right? What was amazing about it? You didn't understand anything he said. Yeah, but it was like these crazy connections, and it was like, but you didn't understand anything the Rebbe said. For you, for you. I happen to think of Isaacson as the opposite, by the way. I happen to think of Isaacson is able to get it down to like the bare bones. That's for me. No, he does. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes, sometimes, sometimes the it's a... Okay, say that. Yeah, the words that he uses are for sure <laughs> ten times above. He does that even in the car, by the way. Like, even when he's talking to me, sometimes he uses those words. What I do is I use that letter, like, I just, like, when he continues the sentence, I'll just, like, okay, that's what it's doing. Okay, there. But, then there's the Rebbe, who's an absolute genius, who knows the information at the possible highest level. What's his genius? His genius is that when you walk out of Shear, it's so simple, you don't even know that the Rebbe added anything. You're like, I, I get it, like, the Rebbe didn't say anything. No, he said a massive amount. You just didn't hop it. So I'll tell you, my Rebbe, Shlita, he was like the second type of Rebbe. There were, because my Rebbe's shear was so crystal clear, everything in the shear when you walked out was like obvious to you. Ad kedekach, that there were guys that wouldn't prepare for the shear. They would show up to the shear and they would understand everything that my Rebbe said. And they would go like, I don't think it's such a great shear. Like, everything he said was like obvious. What was that? Right. It, but he was basically, he, they were basically expressing the godless of my Rebbe without realizing it. He was taking everything and he was being metzamsim. They say, have you guys heard of Yaakov Kamenetsky? Yeah? Yaakov Kamenetsky was, no, that's Rabbi Kamenetsky from the US. Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky, I don't know if they're related. I don't think they are. Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky was the Rashiva of Targadas. He was one of the great um, gedolim of the last generation. So his shear was not known as a razzle-dazzle shear at all. It was like a very simple shear. 
And so the Talmudim would get upset. They'd be like, Rebbe, we want to learn like all the fancy stuff. We want to learn a Ketzeis. We want to learn a Shmaitza. Okay, as long as we're in we want to learn excites, we want to learn shmites, we want to learn like all these fancy things. Rabbi Yaakov was very posh sheer. One day Rabbi Yaakov came in and he blew the boys away, quoting every single little thing. Guys were like, Rebbe, what happened? That was amazing. He goes, last night I didn't prepare. You have the line? He was saying every time when he would give shir, he would prepare, that all the answers to all those excites and all the answers to all those shmites, they were in the shir, they were in. He just made it so simple. When he didn't have time to prepare, so then he had to show them all the other stuff. But the godless is called simsum. Being able to take the infinite thought, being able to take the infinite thought and get it all the way down to the bare bones, that's greatness. Yeah? So in the place where you find God's greatness, what are you also going to find? Just as a way of introduction. You're also going to find his ability to distill that so that it can be understood. Why is that humility? Because that's what humility is. Think about what humility is, right? Humility is your capacity to pull your ego back to allow for another. Oh, so you don't declare everything to prove everybody wrong, prove that you're right. For sure. When when a person is arrogant in an argument, so they don't allow space for the other, right? But in humility in an argument, each one pulls themselves back to authentically listen to the other side, and they truly consider it. Yeah, that. So what about the stuff that we still can't understand? Look, I'm only in the introduction. Uh, yeah. Um, so in the example that you gave, it seems like the purpose of making it, distilling everything down is just so that everyone can understand it more. Not necessarily for the purpose of not showing the godless. Of, but that is godless, right? In other words, it, it would just like that professor, it's amazing oh, for that professor yes. to be able to express those highfalutin ideas to a six-year-old. There's genius in that. So you see that he's able to convey in such a simple way. That right. That's godless. But the, it's not necessarily for the purpose of national health. I'm not judging the professor's intentions here. I'm trying to show you that the, the, the bigger you are, right, as a per, like the more knowledge you have, it should be, if you have am- amazing knowledge, right, then you should be able to distill it down to its essence and pre- present it to a six-year-old. Right? And in that same way, we have an infinite Torah, God's infinite will and wisdom, and exactly there we're going to find humility, as we'll see in a moment. Okay, now. What is a halacha? What is a halacha? Right, it's a law, but it's more than that. What it is, is the distilled essence, the tzimtzum, right, of God's will and wisdom in action in this world. Okay? So that's, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, a big, it's a big statement. We start off and we're always like, okay, what is, what is a halacha? Like, everyone, why should I do these halachas, right? Why should I learn Torah? Okay. Well, let's think about what a halacha is. Halacha is God's will, as we're going to see, right? So God's will, as we said a moment ago, was infinite, beyond human comprehension. It can't even be put into in theory, right, we would have expected that it can't even be put into this world. Like, what would it even look like in this finite world? And yet, in the place that you find God's infinity, you find God's humility, and therefore he's able to be mitzamtzim, he's able to contract his will into such a way that it becomes relevant to our world. So when a person follows a halacha, what is that? That is the distilled essence of God's will and wisdom. 
I've only heard of like Zinzum in regards to the declaration of the world. Right, so now he's saying, look, he's saying, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is mitzamtzim, is ratzon, and is chachma, into the mitzvahs of the Torah, into the halach. Yeah, Sam. So you're saying that his infinite wisdom is through his halachas? Correct. And therefore, it no longer becomes, if you're intelligent, right, and you know that idea, that in the place of God's infinity, you find God's humility, now all of a sudden, the activities, even without knowing any reason for them, become less arbitrary, right? So if somebody says, I really just don't know why I should keep kosher. Fair, very fair. But let's start from the beginning. There's a halacha that you're supposed to keep kosher. What is that halacha, right? That is God's wisdom and will distilled down to its essence, practical for this world. If you knew nothing else, that would already be an amazing revolution in the way that you saw keeping kosher, right? Yeah. So he said, why should I keep Taras and Meshpacha? If you knew nothing about the value of keeping Taras and Meshpacha, if you knew nothing about the reasons which we do have, right? If we knew nothing about those things, you would already be like, Wait, so that's important. Halakha is God's humility, right? It is an expression of God's humility. This world is God's infinity. That's right. That's exactly right. The world is not infinite, but it's an expression of his infinity. Yeah? So, would it be correct to say, like, that the, the anibos is in a way, like, bringing God into a tangible way into our world, but at the same time, it's not necessarily a limitation of his, infin- of his infinite sense. It's a way for us to tap into that line of infinity. The same way that the lampshade does not really diminish the light, it just diminishes our perception of the light, it's what allows us to be in the room, right? So too, when it comes to the halachas, right? God is not limited in any way, but he, as a function of his perfection, can limit his will and his wisdom into our world that, it should be, that his will can be manifest. That's not a distilling of him, right? It's what allows us to connect to him. Make sense? Yeah. Bensi. Why is it just a look and a whole term? Very less words. Uvisei rufe osios tanach. Right? Very good. And obviously, Bensi says, Rebbe, it can't just be the halacha, right? Because that's just what we do. But what about the Torah itself? Right? So the Alter Rebbe comes and says, the actual chefza, the actual uh, object, I don't mean the physical object, but the chefza and the... And the uh, in the abstract terminology, the actual letters of the Torah are the distilled essence of the will and wisdom of God. And not just that, and all of the drashos of the Torah are all part of this. Why? I'll get to you in one second. I just want to answer Jonathan's question from before. Why is there this tzimtzum? Why is there a distilled essence of God's will and wisdom? Because what does God desire? He wants the entirety of the soul. How many levels are there to the soul, Rabosa? You should know this by heart now. How many levels to the soul? No. How many levels to the soul? Three levels of the soul. Excellent, Obi. Three levels of the soul. What are the three levels of the soul? Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama. Now, each one of those is made up of ten, which is broken down into three and seven, as we discussed. But you've got to make sure you have the basics down. So all three dimensions of the soul that exist in a person's body, why is the Alter Rebbe saying it like that? Because he wants you to know that down here, the soul in this finite physical world can have what? Can have the capacity to understand God's wisdom. Now, 
We're going to see in a moment how true that is, right? Is that fully true? Is that only on the symptom level? And then through, one second, and then through this, if I know God's will and wisdom, now what am I capable of doing? My nefesh ruach and neshama is capable to engage. How does the soul engage, Rabbi Remember, there's three levushim. What are the three levushim? Machshava, dibar, ma'isa. Actually, your thought, your actions, and your speech, right? Guys got to know this clear. These things are going to come up for the rest of the year. Make sure you have them down. If you don't have them down, ask me. So the soul's levushim, meaning the soul's ways of engaging with the world, now have the opportunity to engage the will and wisdom of the Torah. So it's an unbelievable thing. Just to follow the entire cheshmer, and then I'll open it up for questions in one second. I'm just going to finish this last line. Just what we said from the beginning, God and the Torah are one, because God is one with his thoughts. God is one with his will. The will and wisdom of God are embedded in the Torah, so the Torah is one with God. I, but God is beyond understanding. His will and wisdom, therefore, are beyond understanding, because the will and wisdom of God are one with God. Right? God is the Torah. God is one with the Torah because God is one with his thoughts. So the Torah right? is God. Uh, correct. That means they're one. They're one thing, right? And therefore, I shouldn't be able to understand any of this because the finite person can't understand the infinite. But as a function of God's perfect humility, he is mitzamtzim, his will and his wisdom, into the halachos, into the Torah into the drashos of the Torah, so that we can understand Him, and what's the value of us understanding Him? Now, nefesh, ruach, and neshama, down here in the finite world, through its vehicles of machshaba, dibur, and maisa, can connect to God. And last line, and then I'll open it up for questions. I see we have a lot of questions. And now, what is the impact on the soul? The soul, with its three garments of Machshava, Dibur, and Maisa, on all ten levels, meaning Chachma, Bina, Das, Chesed, Gevurah, Teferis, Netzachod, and Yesod, will be clothed in godliness. The impact is communion with God. We'll go around. Questions? Again, what, uh, right after that he gave us halachas in Torah, so we can understand, then moving on. And you'll not only be able to understand the Torah, but you'll also be able to do what he wants you to do in this world. What was that? What? Let me let me let me go around. Then I'll get there. Okay, Benson. Because, as we're going to see, because even, even though we don't understand God in the sense that I can't grasp the infinite, I can only grasp that which God distilled for me to understand. So, I can, by grasping on, as we're going to see, again, I don't want to jump ahead too much, but as by grasping on to what God did distill, right, I'm connected. Right? In other words, like, again, I'm giving a bad muscle right now because there's a better muscle coming and I don't want to jump ahead. But it's like, even if I'm only holding on to your pinky, I'm holding on to you. Right? So you've, like, think about that first grader. Does the first, is the first grader really connected to that astrophysicist? Well, yes and no, right? He's not connected to the exceptional thoughts that he has, right? In the sense that it's beyond what the first grader is capable of understanding, right? But... He's got the distilled essence, so there is some connection. Because at the end of the day, we're finite. 
You can't understand more than that. Mikey, how are we doing? Clear? Because remember, if it's not clear, that's a, that's a chisarn in me. Because I have to be able to distill these thoughts down. I don't mean to say that you're the first period. I'm just saying, like, uh, you're the first time learners. Libel clear? Yeah. Libel has your jet lag. I'm just more getting over sleep. Okay. But you're hanging in. I admire it. Michael? Two thumbs up. Roy? All right. So right after he gives one of those, I understand this. And then we can do with the three Lagoshim. And after that... And then after that, my soul will be... Because remember, each part of my soul, there's three parts of my soul. Each part has ten parts. Yeah, yeah. And then your soul, and then your Nebuchadnezzar, and then Remember, each one of those nefesh, ruach, and neshama has ten parts. Right? And then, um, it will be able to be clothed in godliness. Because each one of my soul's ten characteristics on all three levels will be engaged in godliness. Wait, three levels of the soul? Three levels of the soul. Each level has ten bechinos. And now, through these levushim of the soul, I connect the attributes of the soul to godliness. Sammy. I was going to ask if you could write it on the board, but you were just Do you want me to write it on? Okay, because I definitely will. In general, if you use the board more. I can use the board more, for sure. I just might have to switch seats with uh, Roy. But, yeah, Ezra. How do we understand Dirabanan? Very good. Because even the Dirabanan, right, is really what? The Dira, the, again, are you talking about Dirabanan mitzvos or Dirabanan drashos? I don't know the difference. Okay, let's talk about Dirabanan drashos because that's what he mentions. If you look, he goes back, he says, Vidrashosayin Shabbagados Umidrashay Chazal, right? So let's just go back to the drashos for a second. What does it mean when Chazal interprets something in the Torah, right? Their, their interpretation of the Torah is not an interpretation of their own... It's not their own idea that's being presented, right? It's the analysis of the Torah. So as Chazal mine the nugget, so to speak, and they dig deep into what the Torah is saying, so what happens? That's where they discover the truth of God's Torah. So even the Midrash Chazal, even what Chazal understood from the Torah, is part of the symptom, right? In other words, what the Rebbe is saying was when you see a Chazal, don't say there's like God's distilled wisdom and then there's like what the Rabbi said. No. Everything the Rabbi said is rooted in the Torah, right? And that's a part of the, that's a part of the symptom. It's a part of understanding it. And now, Tovya. Uh, first of all, uh, I was talking to Sarah today, and he said, I mentioned the idea that Hashem and the Torah are one, and he said that it might not be the case, that's a bit of a simple understanding of it, and I think usually it's the fact that Hashem and Israel and Torah are part of Hashem's Neshama, is that? I'll tell you one rule that I have. I don't comment on what other Rebbeim say through Talmidim, only because I know how often I'm misquoted, I know how often he's misquoted, and I know how often we've been misquoted to each other. So very often Talmidim come and they go, especially the guys that are in Rosteiner, Sashir, and in Tanya, they just go like, they go to him and they go, but Rav Berg said, right? And then they come to me and they go, but Rav Steiner said, and there's this made-up beef. It's totally made up. It's like, no, 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 like you can't do both. Like, why not? It's all presentations of the same material, but from different angles. Neither, again, as far, I don't know what you mean when you say Gaz Neshama, and I, I, again, I, maybe you're referring to the Gemara and Brachos over there, I'm not, I'm not sure exactly what you mean, that's why I'm not going to respond to it, but, uh, again, both Rav Steiners and I would agree, and this you don't need much for, is, the Zohar says, the Ereisu v'kuchabrichu kulachad, 
So, yes, that's a simple understanding. We're getting, again, we're only at Shlav Aleph, and you could spend years probably talking about what that means, but I'm not prepared at this point to go any further. Aaron. Um, so, is that, does that mean that every single thing, every, like, every, every rabbi has ever said about the Torah is correct? No. I mean, like, where, where do you draw the line between who Chazal is and who... Some rabbi of a congregation in some cities. Yeah, like, the, there's that. The fa- very, there's yeah. the there's the famous story. I don't know if I told you guys this after Moshe Feinstein passed away about the year of in Brooklyn. Yeah, not all rabbis are created equal. There's no doubt okay. about that. And what we're speaking about here is specifically those that are part of the Masorah. What I mean to say is as follows. Um, okay, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. There's something that's part of Russian directly disagree on this. Thing, so right, but we don't. Dis- we, we're not disagreeing. Just to be clear, there's no Sephardi in the posik in the world, and there's no Ashkenazi posik in the world that would say that it's not eluv elu devrelo kimchayim. And it was Machlokasin of Moshe and of Vadio Seif, Machlokasin the Sam Rebbe and the Lubavitcher Rebbe, Machlokasin all these gedolim is not what we're talking about. Everyone agrees eluv elu devrelo kimchayim. We all, again, it's too large a conversation for right now, but it is an important conversation to discuss how Machlokas developed in Klal Yisrael. By the way, if any, if any of you are really interested in having that conversation, the best Rebbe on staff to have that conversation with is actually the Rosh. Because the Rosh gave a shear for a couple of years. I don't think he gives it anymore. But he gave a, he gave a shear on the development of Torah Shabal Peh. So he really has like the real Marmakomos. I mean, actually start to yeah. He did that today, a little bit today in, in Shia. Yeah, he, yeah. he, has, he has a massive amount of knowledge in that yeah, area. He like 20 minutes and just the history of Halacha. Right. It sounded like a book. He had at least six months worth of material. So he's really the best person to speak to that. But suffice to say, but right now we're speaking about Bali Masoda, meaning not your local Orthodox young Israel rabbi who gets up and says what, what he, whatever like he Ram thinks. Yeah, correct. That's what he means. He means when, when Chazal, meaning Chazal in Gemara and Mishnayis and, you know, and Taisefta and Brisa, things like that. Yeah? Um, so, like when you said before about Mitzvah Sarabah, Right, so again, same, same thing, because there, without, without getting too much into it, I'm going to be giving Shir Bezer Hashem on it soon, but it'll probably be in the other Shir that I get from three to four. Um, maybe I'll send you a recording of it. But basically, the, the Torah itself gave license to the Masorah. In other words, the Torah itself recognized the need for having Chazal, and they were given license to protect the Torah, Asusiyah the Torah. So all mitzvahs der Abanan are not new mitzvahs, right? Because that would be Baltosif. They're just, um, they're, they're protectors of old mitzvahs. And that creates a whole scenario of Asher Weiss's beautiful piece on... <coughs> when a mitzvah der could be like a chilek of a mitzvah der like I'll give you a classic example of this, is ksuvah's der abanon, right? Because right? the rabbis did it to protect women from getting married one day and divorced the next. The husbands would just love them and leave them. So um, the Rambam and the Koteres to Hilchus Kedushin writes, the mitzvah is the Lashon Rambam. there is Lisa Isha. He's talking about the Doraisas. You know how in the beginning of the Rambam he always lists the Doraisas? In the beginning of every, in the beginning of every new, um, new what's called, in the Rambam, there's a Koteris, there's like an index. And he lists, like, in this section we're going to discuss the following ten mitzvah Doraisas, right? So in the Koteris over there in Hilchus Isha, so the Rambam lists the mitzvah of Kedushin as Lisa Isha Beksuvah Kedushin. So have the Rambam... What was that? Yeah, but why did the Rambam say Ksuvah? Ksuvah is Medirabana. 
You understand? Sometimes the Rabbanon could become a chilek in the Doraisa. It's too big for right now, but it's a, it's a great question. But yes, it's definitely part of the tzimtzum. Yeah? So when he says drasha, it doesn't just mean making a divar to a No, no, no. A drasha means, yes. Not to be confused with the rabbi's drasha that he gives about politics. Tovia. Why is this, like, being kind of the mitzvahs with the question closing our shoulders? Like, our, but that's fear, why is it? Why, why is it specifically? Why is that we're always close? We're always close these. No, 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 no. I have, I have ten attributes of my soul. If I don't do a mitzvah, then at that moment they're not clothed in godliness. So is there a clothed in God? What was that? Is it like they can be clothed in godliness versus clothed in As we'll see. Big date soa. You're supposed to be godliness. Yes. Yeah. I actually mentioned this the other day, and I bring it back up, that we spoke about earlier in Tanya Fuprefim, about the whole idea that parents, Mahshtava, during their intimacy, mm-hmm. takes a direct effect on the Levush. On the Levush, correct. So this is the Levush, so Bishas and Mitzvah. I have a different Levush, or how does this Levush that I'm enclosed with, so with Kiddush? Sometimes. When a person comes from an inappropriate intimacy, as we discussed, the soul itself is fine, but the soul may find it challenging to wear a certain levushim, meaning they'll be plagued by machshavazaros, or they'll have, uh, you know, it'll be difficult for them to, to arouse themselves to actually go ahead and do the mitzvah. Now, again, you can mend the begadim. It's not, it's not over at all. Like we saw, like even by Avram Avinu, the greatest people came from some of the lowest parents. But yes, the begot does need to be mended. So if we have a difficulty, could be that that's where it's from. Again, we don't have to play the Kabbalistic game it's of... Mended, like it's, it's, it's of course, or, uh, 100%. That's what the Alter Rebbe said back then. 100% mended. The soul doesn't need to be mended, because the soul is a chelik mamish. And begadim are not the soul. That's why they're just begadim. Even though we said yesterday that begadim are also super important because the begadim are actually engaging with the infinite, whereas the soul is one step removed. And is that is that this whole idea like a riot to what what we were talking about earlier in the beginning, beginning of time when we say that the shas hamitzvah you're considered tzaddik and, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. very good, very good, very good. Yeah, Aaron, last question. Then we're gonna go bite. Last question. You could choose not to answer because it's no. not exactly what we're doing right right now. Okay. Um, well, so I was reading Shnai Mikra. Uh, like I was catching up with last night because I'm the last night of the night. And um, so there's like this, there's, there's this guy who like he said he was the one who who I forget his name, but he created like the first uh, idol. And then it says that if you look at the corner, it's like after 300 years. It doesn't say he died, but like he's like he was taken out of this world, mm-hmm. right? And I look at like to make like like so that way he wouldn't be able to uh, like to sin anymore or something like that. because like, uh, it was like creating he was taking the world further down. It was like idols for worship, so I shouldn't take him out of the world. So isn't that like a direct violation of the free will that we learn with the whole yeah. blocks? Yeah, great, great question. Way beyond the scope of what we're discussing yeah, right now. Yeah, I just thought about it right now. <laughs> I appreciate the question. Okay. Let's, let's uh, move forward in Perek Dalachil Beis. Okay. V'lachein nimshla hator l'mayim. Now, very often, we hear things that our Rebbeim say, and they just say it, and it's like, okay, everything is like, you know, like sometimes you start to roll your eyes, like I've heard it a million times before, and I don't even know what it means, right? Like, everything somehow gets compared to Torah, right? Like, water is compared to Torah, 
red is compared to Torah, right? You know, even like all these things, like everything is, and like, and it's like, we know, and that's really a reference for Torah. Like every time, it's all just a reference for Torah, right? No, there's actually like really deep things that are going on over here. So the Alter Rebbe is going to explain, what does it mean when Chazal compare Torah to water, right? Now we're going to see there's something very deep going on. Now, every time you see water, guys, and you, and you see that that's a reference to Torah, it has to be that you're thinking about this application, because this is what it means. The Gemara in Tainus explains that just as water flows downwards, it goes from a high place to a low place. Okay. So Torah starts off in an exceptionally high place. What's the Mechubad place that Torah begins with? Begins as the will and wisdom of God. Because remember what we said, guys. So the Torah in its initial, let's say, in, in, its, in its most essential form, what is it? It's the will and wisdom of God. And as we said, nothing can possibly understand God. So in its highest point, what would you say about Torah? It's impossible to understand. However, the Torah goes on a journey. Look at the words. It starts to journey downwards, just like the water in a river flows downwards. The Torah starts to journey downwards. It goes from one level to the next, right? Because water doesn't go down. Like, anything goes downwards. Very good, because it's a natural flow. That's what we're trying to harp upon. It's the natural flow. It starts off, because remember, as a function of God's perfection, it's beyond our understanding. But anytime you find God's perfection, what do you also find? His humility. The distilling. It comes downwards, right? So one second, let me just finish this line and then I'm going to get to you. And it goes from one level to the next. Remember, guys, we discussed the Hishtalshulah Saulamus, the four worlds. Atsilus Beri Yitzirah You shouldn't, I'm not going over it again. We spent a couple days on it. There's four worlds when God created the world. It goes from one level to the next. So there's Torah in its most pristine, essential form. Then there's the Torah of Atzilus, the Torah of Bria, the Torah, I'm sorry, the Torah, yeah, the Torah of Bria, the Torah of Yitzira, and the Torah of Asiya. So it goes from one level down. Until what? Until it takes on the character of this physical world. And that's why... The mitzvos are all physical. I'm going to finish with this last sentence. I'm going to turn it over to Bensi to ask his question. One second. What was that? Are they all physical? Like- uh, so he says, Shehein rov mitzvos ha-Torah kekulam v'choseim. Most of the Torah is like that. But here's what's critical, guys. Why is the Torah physical? It seems like almost a letdown. Right? Like, if we were picturing spirituality, if Mikey and I were, like, thinking of a religion, right? And we're picturing spirituality, what would we picture? Meditation. Meditation, some mountaintop in Tibet, right? You travel, and, and, what, and the whole point is to leave the world. In Hasidus, what's the whole point? Not to leave the world. To bring God down into the world. Why? Why is that so fundamental? Because what's the whole direction? Everything is coming down. So it takes on the physical character of the world. So you can say to yourself, what am I doing already? 
putting on tefillin, unwrapping straps, that does not seem like a particularly spiritual activity, right? Yes, exactly. It's a physical activity because the avoda is to uncover godliness in the world. That's why God was mitzamtzim, his will and wisdom, into the mitzvos which are worldly. Remember you said we're talking about like the four stuff that the world relies on, like earth, on... Like what it's wind. made up of. So you said like water. Earth, air, fire, and water, yeah. So it's like the water over there is out of the terror? Yeah, for, for sure. There's going to be a deep connection between them. Okay? Right. These are the three levushim in this world. After you die, there is no Misa. Is there any levushim? All there is after you die in the Olam and Hashemos is the essence of the soul of God. Don't need any actions. So why do your why do your levushim matter? I mean, because 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 it's what allows me in this world to engage with godliness. If I didn't have the capacity to act. Right? Then how would I interact? Like, meaning, like, the more, like, the more your levushim are like kadosh, and the more kadosh will be. That's right. That's correct. And the more my levushim are kadosh, meaning, let's say I only eat appropriate foods. I use my body appropriately. I speak in an appropriate it's way. Like that uh, oh, very good. We're gonna get up to. There's a whole chapter in Tanya about that. Really excellent. What are you learning, Tanya, on the side? You're going ahead. No, the whole chapter. What was that? No, it's going to make some shit Yeah, so it's, uh, it's a big chapter in Tanya. What happens when you bring these things into yourself? Very big, very big so, ASIC. So what's, what's more holy then? Okay. What's more Kaddish? What's more closer to Hashem? The Torah is physical or not physical? So it comes out, this is a big Torah from the Alter Rebbe and from the Lubavitcher Rebbe. It comes out that in the times of Mashiach, as the Pasuk says, Ani v'reichiv ala chamor. So if you follow, there's three, there's three donkeys mentioned in the Torah, right? So there's Avram Avinu's donkey that he saddled to go to Akedah Yitzchak. Then there's Moshe Rabbeinu's donkey, leaving out Bilaam, because Bilaam was the perversion of his donkey. That's why Bilaam had intimate relations with his donkey. So Moshe Rabbeinu put his wife and children on the chamor, and they were rochev ala chamor. They're on top of it, meaning they're elevated from the physical, Right? And meaning it starts with other. Uh, Avram Avinu. Why is donkey? Donkey is, means chamor, which is from the lashon of chumrius, the physical world. So the donkey represents the physicality of the world. So other Marishon saddled the donkey, but he. Didn't, I'm sorry, other Marishon. Avram Avinu saddled his donkey, but he didn't ride on top of it. His implements for the akedah were on it. Moshe Rabbeinu, but next level, meaning because the world has different stages. So from Avram Avinu to Moshe Rabbeinu, we made another shift, and now we could shift be downwards or shift up. Well, both. Right? Because in shifting down, you're really getting closer to the essence. So Moshe Rabbeinu actually puts his wife and children on the donkey, and they're rochev ala chamor, meaning they're using the physical world to elevate themselves. But ultimately, Mashiach is described as ani, he's poor, v'roichev ala chamor, which means, and this was the big chiddush of the Alter Rebbe, and the Bavshir Rebbe also spoke about this at length, and again, it's too big for us to get into right now, but ultimately, the deepest, deepest Torah is that Mashiach himself will learn from the physical world something about godliness that he didn't know before. Meaning, we always think of like the soul knows everything about God and the body knows nothing about God. But in the very, very end of days, the body is going to teach something to the soul that the soul never knew. Namely, the infinity of God is so infinite that even the body is as equally godly as the soul. 
That's a very deep concept. Zeg, I can't. Again, but that just nullifies so much over just. Like, yes and no. Yes and no. It's all part. Gets to like a lot of the fat we'll stuff see. We'll see. About. We'll see. Remember, we're only four chapters into this. You're going to see how it develops. But the body has parts. It breaks up. Correct, and that's why it's so amazing that the body that has parts that could die is also the possessor of infinite godliness. Which is why in Tanya we're going to see that the Nefesh Bahamis, as much as it's our enemy, it's not evil. And that's going to be a big thing that we're going to learn. That's because you have Lebushim in this world. You don't have Lebushim in the next world. That's true. That's not evil. That's what you learn from evil. What was that? It's not evil. It's only evil if you use it for and therefore, it, ha- it may have something to teach us, as we're going to see. No. It's not. That's not the craziest. That the body is intrinsically bad? No, no, no. That the physical world is intrinsically no, bad? It was a whole thing. Yeah, you were saying that more like, like humans I, in general are, are There's no way selfish. that the Roche said, yeah, it's true. No, right. I, Listen, we're all exceptionally narcissistic. That, that naturally the course of, of history has dictated that human beings... Are evil. It was really just Adam and Noah. That, that human beings are always looking to elevate themselves over anything that they could. And I agree with that. So yeah. it was like this whole thing Wait, that like, you know, like he gave this muscle of, of the Joker and the and, and the Batman and how the Joker figured. Was there out. Shiva holding in the Joker? Yeah, it was awesome. No, I think it was awesome. Yeah, I think there's a new movie that just came out. Yeah, Oh, he's talking about Jonathan, Jonathan, I was like, I like he pulled over a kid aside, like, 10 minutes before his speech, I was like, give me the muscle. Like, he wasn't really old, he was half old. Rabosai, there's a question on that, there's a possible also in this week's question that says that something that, something about, that, 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 something about Rashidus of the word is used, like, is Ra, like, that, that. I'll tell you what, ask me after she. Yeah. Whatever. Okay, Tokyo. That's what we're trying to the fact that the body is infinite. One second, one second, yeah. <laughs> I didn't say the body was infinite, I said it could teach the soul something about infinity, yeah. It's a great question, but it's beyond the scope of this particular shear. Yeah? If you'd like to discuss it with me privately, you can. Would that same friend pose to you the question, how does he know Rasalavechik is right? How does he know the Rambam is right? Or is it just a Hasidic bias? No, it wasn't. Okay. So he asks the question universally? We haven't. I wonder if he's. Uh, I wonder if he's as. Um, I'm sure that he is a authentic person who's only asking for pure intellectual reasons. So, if that friend of yours happens to be in a yeshiva that starts with the letter G, so or okay, good, or uh, or a letter E, so then you can ask that friend if uh, I think I got it right on the second try. Maybe. Okay. I'm just saying, I would, I would ask him if he also asks the same question about Rasal Vechik. What's E? Doesn't matter. What's okay. E? You have to say that. I said the letter E. Okay. Now, I was expecting Bensi to come back. I was expecting Bensi to come back and ask me the same question they asked me before, but he didn't, probably because he trusted me. Right? What about, we spoke about the halachos, but what about again? What about the Torah itself? Not just, the, not just the halachas of the Torah, but what about the physical Torah itself? So look at what the Alter Rebbe says. But the actual permutations of the letters, the ink and the book. The 24 books of Tanakh. Meaning, all of it is what? Is intimately connected with HaKadosh Baruch 
So that the human mind can understand godliness. Now, can I understand God? No. But what I can understand... Correct. I can understand what he gave us. Meaning, so the Torah itself is going to be a cheftza of Kedusha. So what are we going to do with the Torah? We're only going to treat it very appropriately. The literal ink on the paper to us has Kedusha. Why? Because that is the will and wisdom in its written form. Meaning it can actually go into a word. Meaning you can never be able to... Think about it like this. If I say the word rose right now, you all just thought of a rose, right? But the truth of the matter is, what did I do? I took an infinite concept in my head, put it into a finite word, right? It's a finite word that you've also identified with the infinite concept in my head. So now the infinite concept in your head popped up, right? But that's a crazy thing. To be able to take an infinite concept in your head and put it down into a word and that we should be able to understand then that infinite concept, that's wild stuff. You understand? So the infinite will and wisdom of God distilled into an actual word that we can write, that's obviously going to have massive amounts of Kedusha. Libel. Assuming like all, all these Megillahs, like Megillahs Esther, how is that? All written by Nebuah. Well, how is that just, a, it, it seems more just like a story. <laughs> I, I'll tell you what. Go learn the parish of the Gra on Megillahs Esther. Come back and tell me if you think that it's a, uh, still just a story. Were you at Rostainer's uh, Whale of a Tale? Sheer on Night of Yom Kippur, yeah. the Grand Sefer Yonah. Yeah. You ever think of that before? That's some pretty wild stuff, that Vilna guy, no? But it just, it seemed like just more of what happened to him. Yonah didn't actually, like, it doesn't say that Yonah did it. What, was it, were you at this year? Were you at Steiner's this year? Yeah, but it's like it was so long that I think I'm going to go to the question again? It, well, he, his question was, it just seems like a story. These <clears> things are exceptionally deep yeah. beyond it, okay. the story is like like just scratching the surface like if you really learn McGill's Esther well and I'm not even talking about just like learning the album on Esther which like it's just what gives you like the <coughs> logical things how everything works together we start to learn like the deeper Hasidus on, on McGill's Esther it happens to me McGill's Esther is probably the worst possible example because in Hasidus we call McGill's Esther the Gilui of the Hester the revelation of all that was hidden it's like the one where we probably take the deepest dive into it and like Mamish understand it to its essence. I barely see these things as a story anymore. Like sometimes like people say to me, like, I don't know, Noah seems like a ridiculous story. Like the world was being destroyed by a flood and like one man had a boat. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm like I in my mind at this point where I'm up to in my learnings, like the story is like a vehicle for like the ideas that are so much what deeper. Are you it's in the coming book. You can't spoil it. No, I can. But I'm saying, for example, come tonight by what's book? Come, to, uh, come tonight at 10.30 if you're going to be there. It'd be a good example of... Uh, a good example of... Just, and I'm only taking two words. I'm just getting deep into one ration. Do you believe that those stories are allegories? I, I believe that they're, they're true. Right? So the truth of the story is not limited to the story itself, but to, the, but to, uh, but to a thousand levels of depth and, and beyond. That, okay. that every story is conveying. So you're saying that these are important stories that God uh, felt? Yeah. In other words, I'll give you an example. The story, well, I would, if I was writing the Torah, because I'm only a person, I would, I would have written that Avram Avinu walked into a Kivshanayish, he walked into a furnace, right? Yeah. And he didn't die. That is a miraculous thing. And the Torah makes no mention of it. It alludes to it in one word, and the Medrash picks up on it, and the Medrash tells the story oh, that they yeah. had as a Mesorah. But the Torah itself doesn't see fit to say it, and there's a reason for that. 
right? In other words, the Torah only alluded to it, which, again, the drasha, it was still meaningful, it was still part of the infinite symptom of the Torah. Yeah. But, but there was, there were, meaning it wasn't mission critical in the sense that the Torah needed to say it. It was much more mission critical to say lechlacha, for example. But that's, that's, that's why I don't get caught up when people are like, but what does that even mean, like... There was a boat, and the world was destroyed. Like it's when not you, about the boat. It's yeah, because when you when you start to learn it, like you start to go, wait a second, does the word teva mean boat? Actually, the word teva means word. That's what it actually means. And then you start to ask yourself, well, what would that mean that Noah went into a word? And then you start to learn about the connection between Noah and Betzalel. I'm going to discuss all of this tonight by uh, Parshan Steret. Actually, I'm not sure which Parshan Steret. The, the word. I have two shirim that I could do. I just realized I could no, do the second one. Yeah. Yeah, Tobia. Um, so, by the way, the second Simpson. Yeah. The first time I ever heard one of the words, the word Simpson, and the idea of Simpson, it was told me that it's taking an infinite and putting it to a finite form. No. That doesn't seem to be in line with what's going on here. No, the opposite. It's saying we're not doing that. We're not taking... The infinite cannot become finite. That's Christian, right? But we can distill the infinite down into the fact that the finite can now contain it. Like... Is that No, because it's, it's like... You have to be careful to distinguish between God becoming a person, right? Which is Christianity, right? right? And the lampshade distilling the light so that the person could sit in the room. It Simpson doesn't do anything to God whatsoever. Right? God hasn't changed the cues yet. Not before creation, not after creation. God hasn't changed on any level. When we get to Shaykh Ramuna, then you start to right, then you could start to think to yourself, I have my own Mitsias. But it's what it, Simpson is what allows for the creation of the world. Not that not that the infinite has become finite. That's fear. Yeah, when you say contained though, what do you mean? Because the infinite cannot be contained anywhere. Right, so the, 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 the physical imagery bothers me. What I mean to say, well, like, well, for example, when we speak of the physical Sefer Torah, right, because God, is the, because God and His wisdom are one, because the wisdom and will of God are, are distilled down to their essence, they can even manifest themselves in the physical world in a physical book, in a physical letter, in a physical word. Yeah. Um, okay, so if all of the Torah is um, God's will and wisdom, God's will, will and wisdom, and it's all and it's all kadosh and it's all even like the actual ink itself, right? So, but many parts of the Torah are are, are I might say just, but for the purpose of my question, I might say just are just simply the telling over of what physical people, like finite people, have done. And the thing is that what happens if they chose not to do that, like? Like either like meaning like was their path predestined was Noah was Noah predestined to Again, this was Abba predestined to something or great, a great question but he, it relates back to the question you asked before which is free will versus destiny yeah but it's also I, I tried to bring up the I, 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 I know exactly what you did I'm not gonna fall for it I, I will give you a book from Rabbi Dr Akiva Tatz it's about this thick it's a great book it's called Free Will and Judaism. Enjoy to your heart's content. Can I ask a question? Uh, it, it, it might be a little bit of a tangent, but it's not. It's, it's really exactly what we were just talking about. Okay, we'll see. I think, we're so, I think you and I are very smart, and I think you know how to create your questions into the Tanya to get them answered, but yeah. Sounds like my problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're talking about how Rabbi said that it's a Christian idea to say a Kaddish Baruch would limit himself into a finite form, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, 
I'm limiting a Kaddish Baruch by saying he can't limit himself, that he can't put himself into a final form. This is a, this is a very famous question. Can rock create a rock? Can God create a rock he can't lift? Yes. Okay? So, so there's two, there's two answers to this question. I'm just going to give them to you now. I'm going to give them to you fast. Okay? Oh, you have it on your list? Okay, good. So I'll tell you the first time I ever heard this question. I was in fifth grade. I was in Yeshiva B'nai Torah, Rabbi Chetz Yeshiva, and they started a program for the kids in the shul after davening. I, this is a yeshiva that's like very philosophical and very anti-chassidus. It's like a very philosophical, very philosophical yeshiva. That's the yeshiva I grew up in. So in fifth grade, I'll never forget, Rabbi Marshall Gisser, Moshe um, Ben Chaim, he, uh, he had a group. It was like maybe, like maybe seven or eight kids. And they were going to like teach us the ways of this yeshiva. Okay? It's a very beautiful yeshiva. And so they put out Entenmann's Donuts, and you have to understand, like, my kryptonite is Entenmann's Donuts. Right. And specifically, in my mind, there's two levels. Brownies are, brownies are serious business, but Entenmann's, specifically the ones that have we, the crumbs on top, the crumb mm, topping. Yes. When we grew up, we called them Rat Duty Donuts. The, uh, <laughs> but, and they would literally <laughs> give, like, each kid... <laughs> Glazed are great. I think the chocolate ones. I think the chocolate ones. Yeah, the chocolate ones. Cover, you're killing me. I'm in the middle of a. I'm in the middle of a fast. You guys are killing me. No, they don't sell them to me. Why are you fasting? So the. So, so one second. So they put out those. They put out like boxes. They got like eight like eight boxes of donuts we would all sit with like a box like an individual box that's what my eating disorder like so <laughs> I remember that and first year ever was fifth grade <laughs> fifth grade what was I yeah, I didn't turn 13 I was 10 years old was 10 years old they're like can God create a rock he can't lift okay there's two answers to this question <coughs> answer number one but I need to tell you both okay it means you have to be a little sophisticated to hear two different answers answer number one you ever hear the famous philosophical question, what happens when the unstoppable force meets the immovable object? Okay? There's a problem with that question. What's the problem with that question? It can't happen. Meaning, you can't set up a philosophical question where the terms themselves destroy the question. Right? If you're saying, it's unstoppable, it's immovable, Right? Why can't you do that? No, because it's, it's illogical. Because one of them has Right? In other words, by definition, if something is... If you started off by saying, this is an unstoppable force, the uh, second half of your sentence then, can't yeah. be, and there's an immovable object. Okay. Right? And there's the terms themselves make it fall apart. So when you say, no, can... something could be unstoppable and something could be immovable. No. 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 <laughs> it doesn't right, make any... If that's immovable, then that's... Right, exactly. Okay. So when you start off and you say, can God create something that he can't do? Which were the words that contradicted themselves? God can and can't. Can and can't. Right? In other words, if you're saying God, who's kol yachol, right? Can God, the same thing. Can, can God, who's infinitely capable of doing everything, do something that he can't do? But the, the question already broke down before you even got to the answer. Okay? That's approach number one. But I'm going to give you... So you're saying that... Could. Okay, one second. No, I'm not saying he could. I'm saying I'm not saying he could or he couldn't. I'm saying the question itself is ridiculous. It falls apart because you can't start off logical questions where you create terms that automatically go against each other. That's the shlavav. But now I'll give you shlav bet. No, of course God cannot create a rock that he can't lift. Why? Because perfect means not imperfect. 
right? So when you say... The perfect means not imperfect. Meaning, if something is perfect, what's the one thing it can't be? Imperfect. Imperfect. Is that an imperfection? No. Because perfect, by definition, precludes imperfection. In other words, as a function of God's perfection, he can't be imperfect. So by saying God can create a rock that he can't lift... So you're saying God can make himself imperfect? A perfect being cannot make themselves imperfect. Definitely. It's not imperfect that they can't make themselves imperfect. It's perfect that they can't make themselves imperfect. Too many, uh, too many things. Oh, yeah, it, makes uh, okay. it makes sense. It makes 100% sense. Libel. I'm not sure if Rabbi's saying the same thing, but what I heard is that for God to create a rock that he can't lift, that means something would have to outside of God. Same thing. In other words, you're saying, you're, you're, you're really, the truth of the matter is you're really in the first answer. Because you're really saying you can't set up terms where one is God, right? And the other is can't. You're really more in the first answer. But, but you know, Chapo, you, you're really more in the first answer? Because you're really saying, if you want to establish that there's something that God can't do, that means there has to be something outside of God. So you're really in the first answer. You're saying, do these terms make sense? And you're saying the terms themselves don't make sense because you can't say God and then say something else. You're really, it's, an, it's, a, it's a really valid approach. But it's also important to give the second approach because otherwise people might say, he could, but he chooses not to. No, he can't because he's perfect. And perfect, in one case only, right, perfect can't become imperfect because it's perfect. But was he predestined or not? <laughs> I love you very much. It's a funny joke. Okay. I do have an answer. Okay. Rebosa, we have 15 minutes. Let's finish Chalik Vase. That's it? It went so fast. It goes fast today, Baruch Hashem. Well, first of all, we started 15 minutes late. That's on me. And second of all, um, when you're learning and you're steiging, it'll fly. You'll, you'll see by the end of the year, it'll mamish be like, we'll be moving, we'll be trucking. Mikey, how are we doing? Good? Okay, good. Michael? Okay. Sammy? Ezra? What color was that thumb? Chocolate thumb. Chocolate. What? That was, that was, <laughs> that was the roundy thumb. You'll, you'll see. Just remember, I asked you, what color was that thumb? Okay. Now. So what about... Don't worry. Now, right now, God distilled his wisdom into what? Into something we can understand, something we can comprehend. But what about speech? What about action? Guys, why are we talking about speech and action? Because we're talking about all three dimensions of the soul. If God distills his will and wisdom down, it's not enough that I can understand intellectually. I also need to be able to say it. I also need to be able to act it. So he says, So remember, it's like God is on high. The wisdom is up here, right? It comes down. So you'll say, The top, machshava can grab it. Oh, did it go so far down? Did God's will and wisdom go so far down in the world that it can be spoken? That it can be acted? Not only can you now comprehend God's will, you can speak God's will, you can act in accordance with God's will. What's the value of that? So now, you're going to, this is the ultimate point now. The communion between man and God. 
If you've been following what we've been saying the entire year, this is going to make perfect sense. The Torah now is something that belongs in our world. That's the symptom that occurred. Okay? So now what happens? All ten dimensions of my soul, okay, on all three levels of my soul, meaning nefesh, ruach, neshama. Each one of nefesh, ruach, and neshama had ten dimensions, right? Okay? My soul has the capacity for three levushim, machshava, dibur, and maisa. We also said that the same way there are 613 mitzvos, there are 613 limbs and sinews to your body. Can I get the positive mitzvos and the negative mitzvos? Remember that? Yeah. So now what happens when I actually do a mitzvah? And guys, this is amazing. Before you even get to the reason for a mitzvah, right? People always want to know the reason. Tell me the reason. I can do it unless I know the reason. No, no, no. Before you even get to the reason, the Alter Rebbe has given you an unbelievable gift. Every part of your being can now be totally enveloped in godliness. All 613 limbs and sinews of your body are going to be interacting through the three levushim, Machshava, Dibur, and Maisa, all three dimensions of your soul and all Eser Bechinos with godliness. Every time you do a mitzvah, every time you speak a dvar of Torah, and every time you think about Torah. So you know what we have in the base Medrash? You know what we have right now? Right now, every one of us, in a total way, is communing with God on an intellectual level, when we're speaking the shir into existence, and then when we go out and take that into our mirev, and we daven, right? Then we're, doing, we're taking it into the world of action, right? When we go give tzedakah, and in this way, the person himself, look at the Lashon, all facets of your life are enveloped in godliness. And the light of God truly, mamish, truly, the light of God truly envelops you from head to toe. Meaning, is there any part of your being that is not interacting with godliness? Is there any part of your person that does not have the capacity to interact with godliness? No. The light of God will truly, when a person is doing a mitzvah, it's truly, totally enveloped in godliness. That rabosai is perek dalad chelik beis. Tomorrow, should we do? Yeah, what was that? Yeah, meaning, meaning, it's just, it's just saying that all of you. Is the Ratzon of Hashem is Melubash in the Torah and Mitzvahs. It's clothed in Torah and Mitzvahs. Should we stop here for today, Abosai? We'll end a little early? No. Let's keep going. Let's go into Chela Gimel. It's four pages. Okay, great. We have ten more minutes. Actually, if we finish Chela Gimel, we finished with, uh, finish with Perakei today. Okay. V'lachein Amru. Actually, even though it's four pages, it happens to be very difficult. V'lachein Amru. And now, based on this, we're going to explain a Mishnah in Avos. What's greater, this world or the next world? 
it's like kind of the same like what I asked before, like what's greater, like the Kedusha from like that's closer to Hashem or the Kedusha? So look what he says. What's greater? The Tshuva. Was that? We'll see in a second. The Tshuva, Chazal say, the Tshuva and the positive mitzvos that a person can do while in this world is greater even than Olam Abba. Why? Why? From the word Yafa, we, we, we darshan that. No, without darshan. This is what the Mishnah Abba says. Yeah. Yafa means it's well, greater. It's in, it's this world, in this world, it's still fluid. Yeah, what's in the next world, it's, it's key. It's, See the next word? Key. What does key mean? Because ki olam haba hu shenenem ziv hashchina shu tainag hasaga. What is olam haba? Olam haba is a place where we will understand God. Right? We are going to get to a level where all chumrius in the world, all physicality in the world, <clears throat> receives the light of God, and we will therefore have no block between us and God. We will understand. We will comprehend God. One second. I'll be with you in a second. So what's the what's the tainug? What's the pleasure? The pleasure is where nene, let me just get through this and I'll get to you, miziv hashchina, from the rays of the shechina. Okay? So it's like, because we'll understand. nivra, and it will not be possible for any creation. Afilu yonim, Meaning, even the highest, highest level creation in the world of Olam Abba will only be able to attach itself to what in Olam Abba? To the Ziv Hashchina, to the ray, to the ray of the sun, but not to Hashem Himself. But God Himself remains beyond human comprehension. We will understand all of the Ziv Hashchina, but God Himself remains beyond understanding. In Olam Abba. Listen to, one second. Rabbi, so you guys are all going to jump down my throat. It's great. Just give me a second to finish the just, idea. Just, just translate the question. So this previous time was just saying that uh, in the world to come, that we're only going to understand in the ray of Hashem? Correct. But God himself is less machshav tfisa beikla. Ki im ka'asher tfisa umislabeshes betoru mitzvoseha. Azehi tfisa behen umislabeshes ba'kodesh baruch hu mamish. The only way of attaching yourself to God, not to his ziv hashchina, not to the ray that's emanating from his godliness, but to God himself is where? In the Torah. Because remember, it'll make... I gotta get to that last line because it's the line I've been waiting to, to get to. Can Mechabek el Let me get there. One second. Correct. Because... Anything that I understand is only going to be about God. How do I engage with God himself? I can only engage with God himself in the place where he distilled his essence, namely Torah and mitzvos. The Torah I, but Rebbe, the Torah is so physical. It would appear to us that spiritual would be greater. The spiritual experience of Olam Abba would be greater than the physical experience of this world. This is what I've been trying to get through the entire day. That's why I didn't want to jump ahead. So now we're here. We've arrived. Baruch Hashem. When you hug the king, you do not say, I hugged the king's clothing. Right? If you, get to, if you hug someone, right? If I give a hug to Jonathan, I wouldn't say that right now, like, I'm holding on to Jonathan's sweatshirt. I'm holding on to... Jonathan, right? So when I'm holding on, so to speak, to the Torah, right? I am kemechabek elamelech. I'm like giving a hug to the king. No, you're not giving a hug to the king. You're only giving a hug to the king's clothing because it's enclosed in physicality in this world. Yeah. 
But that's what I, just like I wouldn't say I hug the king's clothing. When I learn Torah and do God's physical mitzvos, I'm engaged with the tzimtzum of God Himself. This is an amazing thing. When a person wakes up in the morning and they say, I'm going to go to Beit Medrash, I'm going to sit learning Gemara. Gemara is the most boring thing in the world. I'm sitting learning Gittin this year. No, 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 no. The opposite. Every time you engage on a mental level, on a speaking level, of course, when you actually fulfill the mitzvah that you're learning about, right? So you're enclosed in godliness. Hevra, somebody asks me the following question, which every year guys do. Why is this relevant to my life? Great question. Amazing question. But what they're really asking is this. They're really saying, this thing that I'm learning is not practical. But start one step beforehand, and all of a sudden, the question narrows. I'm not saying it's not an important question, but it's a narrower question, right? Because now that I know that God and the Torah are one, every time I interact with the Torah, what am I interacting with? God himself. Even in Olam Haba, where I'm interacting with the Zivashkina, it's not the same as my opportunity in this world. So then what, oh. then what is Olam Haba? Like what, where, what happens to the Torah in Olam Haba? We can't, we can't good, 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 good. Let's just finish. It starts on the spiritual, good. I guess, the physical. Gonna, Why can't we I'm going to get to you. I'm going to get to you. Let me just finish this. She'ein hefrish v'maylis his karvuso udveikuso b'melech b'ein mechab kokeshu levush levush echad b'ein shulevush kama levushim me'acharish guf ha'melech v'tochem. It doesn't matter if the king is wearing one layer of clothing or ten layers of clothing or a thousand layers of clothing. When you give the king a hug, who are you hugging? You're hugging the king. V'chein im ha'melech mechab kobezroa gam. Even if the melech is only holding on to your zroa, onto your small limb, yeah, what would you say? Still, there's a connection. Any connection creates, the, you're connected with the king himself. This is what the Pasuk and Shir Shir means, which is that God draws us close with the right. It's specifically referring to the Torah. Why does Torah bring us closer to God? Because with Torah, I engage with Hashem. with Hashem. And that is better than understanding about God. I'd rather engage with God, not just about God. You hear the difference? So in Olam Abba, I'm only my knowledge is only about God, right? Because I can't actually understand God himself. But through Torah, what am I engaging with? God, God himself. So there's an advantage in this world that doesn't exist in Olam Abba. Shehi bechinas chesed umayim, and that's why chesed and mayim go together. Questions before we go to before we go to Ma'ariv, we have two minutes. Michael, would you mind getting the sederim while I'm answering some questions? And I guess we're going to start picking it up tomorrow. Sammy. No, I'm if our soul is only blessed and our soul is a part of God, how do we not understand God? Be- uh, because the soul is not God. Soul is like, if you recall, we said the soul is like a ray of the sun. Good. Libel? Just to clarify, Olam Abba is the world like post-Mashiach? Correct. And like, and like everything's going on? Correct. So the opportunity to do a mitzvah in this world that you won't have in Olam Abba, because in Olam Abba no more mitzvahs, right? So there, there's a, in a certain way, a lesser engagement of godliness in the world to come than there is right now in this world. Ezra, last question, then we're going to get to Marv. I'll pick it up again with you guys tomorrow. Don't worry, I'm not abandoning your questions. Is there a way to directly... Is there a way to... Every time you learn Torah, you're directly interacting with God, but through His clothing. Right, is there a way to... No, because God, is, God remains infinite, and we are in our finite form. Okay, Rabbi.